I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan here. Hope everybody had a great, happy, safe Fourth of July weekend, I know it felt like a four or five day just marathon. We all got through it, and now it's back to reality. And for Nebraska, it's been a very, very busy holiday weekend uh, last week. Uh, they added three more commitments since we last talked um, on the previous edition of the Husker Online Show. Uh, a couple of wide receivers, Barry Jackson out of Georgia, and then Omarion Miller out of Louisiana, and then inside linebacker Dylan Rogers. So Nebraska now up to 13 commits. And, you know, I think they feel like they've got a really good handle on where things are heading next. I think Malachi Coleman's a guy that, that they have their sights on. Uh, Lance Hurd, a tackle out of Louisiana. Uh, there's a couple of defensive backs in there as well. Um, so Nebraska is going to be at 15, 16 commits here, I think. Before the start of the season, they're in a really, really good spot. And in some ways, you can almost say the book is practically closed, at least early on for this 2023 class. I don't anticipate a ton of in-season official visitors, mainly because the cycles has turned. I mean, we've seen so many guys uh, now take their trips in the football season versus, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in the summertime versus the football season. Um, Nebraska right now has brought in 30 2023 prospects and also four transfer portal players. So they've used 34 of their allowed 62 visits they have right now. Um, Nebraska doing a really, really good job. Uh, 28 visits still remaining from now until the end of February next year. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But I think Nebraska, at least today, likes where they're at with this 2023 recruiting class. Meanwhile, um, off the field, uh, this happened as well after our show last week. Uh, the Big Ten added USC and UCLA. I'm going to get into that more on the show. Tom Deanhart uh, of Golden Black, a longtime friend and colleague of mine at Rivals, will join me here on the Husker Online show as we'll discuss the uh, additions of USC and UCLA, what is next. Um, but it's fascinating. I mean, I feel like ever since realignment has happened, it's just much. It's you, you almost can't keep your eyes off it. Every summer, uh, we've had a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I think it's going to ramp up now this summer more than ever before. And it really makes me wonder and think if Nebraska football in 2009 was not where they were at coming off that really really upsetting loss to Texas in the Big 12 championship game with a Dominican Sioux, uh, where it felt like Nebraska was heading to become a top 10 program again year in and year out. Um, would the Big Ten have wanted them at that point? They were still in the AAU. Um, they were in the top 10. 
heading into that 2010 season, Nebraska got ranked inside the top five. That's been the only week since 2001 Nebraska football has been ranked inside the top five. So in the last 20-some years, this one week. So the timing for Nebraska when they got their Big Ten invite could not have been better. Um, you look back to Tom Osborne navigating Nebraska through that. Knowing what we know now, without Tom Osborne, without that 09 season, it's hard to imagine Nebraska being in the Big Ten. And can you imagine the panic and where things would be at right now if the Huskers were still in the Big 12? Where would they head? I mean, they would be in a very, very difficult position financially to compete at the highest stage of college football. That move, when we look at it now today, has solidified Nebraska for the future. And they said that back then, but I think even more so it has solidified Nebraska by guaranteeing them a seat at this exclusive table that might only include 40 teams when it's all said and done that get all the bells and whistles of the top end of college football. Um, so it's fascinating to see what's next. I think Notre Dame is the key piece we're going to be watching. What about Oregon? What about Stanford? What about North Carolina? What about Virginia? There are a lot of teams I think the Big Ten are going to be eyeballing closely and Notre Dame, I think, is at the top of the list, and we'll see kind of where it goes from here. Um, I have a full show here on tap. I'm going to be joined by a couple of true freshman players on the program. Jaleel Martin is going to join me here in my next segment, true freshman defensive back out of Chicago. Then I'll hear from true freshman running back Emmett Johnson uh, following that. And then Tom Deanhart will close the show. We go two segments with Tom as – Lots to talk about, about conference realignment and expansion, as well as Big Ten Media Days. And Big Ten Media Days is coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be in Chicago on that final week of July. Uh, Big Ten Media Days set to take place on July 26th uh, with Nebraska going on that opening day. Um, and we'll know the players um, here shortly from the Big Ten on who will represent Nebraska have to think Garrett Nelson's going to be one of the guys for the Huskers. I'd imagine Travis Volkolek, um, and we'll see kind of where it goes from there. But lots on tap. That's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here. Hope everybody once again had a great holiday weekend, 4th of July weekend, and want you to join me in a few weeks out at Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill. On Monday night, July 18th, we are hosting a preseason Husker night uh, with 93.7 The Ticket. Uh, but our, it's going to be a star-studded event. We're going to have multiple members of the Husker football coaching staff there, defensive linemen O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, wide receiver Trey Palmer. Um, it's going to be a great, great night. Get on to the Husker Online social media channels uh, as well as Tanner's. We've got all the information on there um, to get tickets for this event that include a USDA Prime Wagyu steak as well as all of your drinks and appetizers included for the entire event. But uh, let's welcome in our next guest um, to the program. 
Pleased to be joined here in studio uh, by true freshman defensive back Jaleel Martin, Chicago native. Uh, he's been in Lincoln um, for just a little bit over a month, Jaleel. How's life in Lincoln, Nebraska treating you so far? I mean, life is great, honestly, you know. Just happy to be here, happy to finally be here, you know, finally get a part of the program, get used to the things and, you know, contribute to the team. And you grew up, you, we were talking off air, you grew up on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Um, just how different is life here compared to kind of what you were used to day to day and how much do you, do you like it um, so far? I mean, honestly, you know, Chicago, you just see a lot of people outside. It's a big urban area, you know, used to the big buildings and things like that, but here was different i would say it's like the culture is just much stronger honestly the fan base out here is completely different you know and it's a lot of nice people out here this is great here honestly what's been your favorite part um just being a, around the program and the facilities and the coaches here in just your first month uh, my favorite part honestly is just the structure you know i see plenty of potential especially in myself now seeing how they'll develop me develop me into a great player and a future draft prospect how big are you, Jaleel? Uh, right now, I'm 6'3", 185. 6'3". So, and you're, you're working as a safety or a corner? Where, where, do, where do they have you going? Uh, right now, I'm working at safety corner, you know, all around, honestly. So, yeah. And you, you came into a uh, position room where eight new people came in between transfers and recruits. Yeah. What's that dynamic like? It feels like there has to be a lot of competition, a lot of new blood. Everyone seems to probably be battling right now. I mean, of course, there's a lot of competition, but, you know, we're, it's all love in the DB room, honestly. You know, we all build off each other and help each other, and we're, we're just all there for each other to make each other better. We're joined here in studio by true freshman Jaleel Martin, Chicago native, Kenwood Academy. Tell Nebraska fans more about Kenwood Academy. What is the football tradition there? Um, you know, what did you gain playing there? And, and kind of what, what's the history of Kenwood Academy? I mean, uh, Kenwood Academy, honestly, wasn't too much of a football school until my head coach or former head coach, Sinky Turner, arrived around four or five years ago, and he completely turned the program around. You know, D1 prospect every year, starting with Mark Aiken, was the first uh, Division One prospect there. Then the next year, you know, going on to Dante Reynolds and Lewis Bond. Then the next year, you know, going on with me, and then – the year after that, now we have plenty of top prospects like Marquise Lightfoot, Khalil Tate, uh, Kavion Thunderbird, and Logan Lester, Kiwan Davis. You know, it's just the list goes on, honestly. And you see the progression through the program that uh, Coach has uh, brought there. You know, he's brought in a great culture. You know, he brings us a lot of discipline and just helps us become better men, honestly, and prepare us for life after high school. If I remember right, did you come up for the Friday Night Lights camp? Um, and that was that your first trip to Lincoln? Yeah, that was my first trip to Lincoln. That's when I had got my offer here that and day. There was a big group of you guys, right? That yeah. came and and did and did any of you guys kind of know anything about Nebraska at that point? Did you have kind of perceptions of what Nebraska was? And then you got here and it, it was different than what you thought. I mean, I didn't know anything about Lincoln, like. <laughs> Shoot, all I know is that it was a Division One Big Ten school. You know, I knew a little bit about Coach Frost, you know, his history playing here. But other than that, I didn't know much. You know, I knew guys on the team already, like uh, Marquise Buford and Elante Brown. They're both from Chicago area. So, yeah, that was really just my initial. Those guys show you the ropes? Yeah, definitely. They they showed me the ins and outs of everything, showed me how to really move within the city and stuff like that, showed me around, helped me get used to it. So when you guys came up here, was it just like a um – were you guys going to a bunch of camps, or was it specifically just to go to Nebraska? 
Yeah, it was really specifically to uh, go to come to Nebraska, you know, and meet Coach Fish. I heard a lot about him, especially. And I knew he was a great defensive back coach in his history in the NFL and things like that. So I really looked forward to coming down here and meeting him, you know, getting coached up by him and seeing how he uh, coaches his players. Have you been able to spend a lot of time with him already? Yeah, we spend plenty of time together, honestly. Me and all the DBs and Coach Fish, you know, we all get along real well. We're talking here with Jaleel Martin uh, in his first month at Nebraska from Chicago. I'm curious, you know, growing up in Nebraska, high school kids follow Nebraska. They're, they they watch Husker football on TV. Chicago's different. I mean, when you're a high school kid or junior high kid, like, what is it like growing up on a Saturday? Do, do people watch a specific team or give us an idea of what it's like growing up in Chicago being a college football fan as a kid? I mean, me, honestly, you know, not too many people – made it out of Chicago to play college football. So, you know, it's always been like, you know, dreams. You know what I mean? Like just wishing that we could make it out of the city, you know, especially with, with it being a lot of violence and stuff. You know, sports is a lot of kids' way out. You know what I mean? So if, even if that is basketball or even track now coming up and football coming up now, you know, we all just watched any college football, honestly, dreaming to hopefully make it there. How many distractions are there in terms of guys getting in trouble? Because I'm sure you grew up with countless playground guys that are just phenomenal athletes, but you know they get involved and or make one wrong choice and 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 things change. Yeah, you know that's really just you know choosing how to react to the environment there in Chicago. You know what I mean? You know, and also some people's uh, structure at home, just structure their life. You know, they really didn't have a lot of guidance. You know, I me, mean? I was blessed to have that guidance. Like I said, with my head coach with my father, mother, grandparents, and many other role models and mentors in my life, you know, and I was always the type to, you know, trying to sway away from partying and always going out and things like that because I know what outside Chicago has to offer. You know, I was more so the type to focus on working out, hanging with my teammates who all had the same goal. Yeah, how did your parents at a young age kind of steer you on the right path and kind of keep you away from some of the things that were out there? Uh, it's really just a lot of discipline, especially at home, you know what I mean? And always just pushing me, you know, reminding me what my end goal was. You know, I told them I wanted to play college football and make it to the NFL. You know, football is a passion for me. So they always made sure to just make sure I was always on workouts at time, getting me to training, getting me to practice, making sure I always had my cleats, gloves, you know, gear, all type of things like that really supporting me and looking out. Now, if you didn't go to Nebraska, like what, what were the other schools that you were considering? Um, you know, I was considering a few other schools like Ole Miss and uh, Colorado and U of I and things like that. But just the thing that separated Nebraska from them was just the coaching staff and how genuine they were. And then also the previous players that were here, the how great they talked about the program. You know, it all just seemed like a wonderful fit for me. Were you at the Buffalo game, if I remember right? Or what was the game that you committed uh, at? I came to the Ohio State game. That's the game that I committed Okay, at. the Ohio State game, yeah. yeah. And so – yeah, and you uh, waited a while. I mean, I guess yeah. you didn't graduate, but, you know, were you feeling some pressure during your senior year to get a decision made, or did, did you know you had time? I mean, honestly, like I said, it was just – it was hard to take visits. You know, like I was telling you earlier off uh, off the uh, recording, you know, like we had a little chain of events that happened in Chicago involving shootings, shootings within the public schools. So all our games were held on Saturday mornings. You know, I would, wouldn't have any games on Friday, really. So I wouldn't have time to go take those visits on the weekends. And it wasn't until that weekend in November that I was able to take my uh, official here. 
that's when I knew automatically I wanted to commit. You know, I didn't have any intentions of committing when I first got here, but when I came and I seen the culture, the tradition, the fans, and the program and everything, you know, it was just a no-brainer. And they played Ohio State pretty tough. Yes, right. definitely. Should have won the game, honestly. Yeah. Did, did you follow the season then? I mean, now do you know the history of Nebraska this past year, how close they were in a lot of those games? Yeah. Every game lost by single digits. You know, we could have had the chance to win all those games, honestly. And I see the potential in the program. And I know for a fact that the program is going to turn around and become something huge in the next three, three to four years, you know, even, even more sooner, hopefully. So are you excited to go overseas to Dublin, Ireland for your first college football game? Super excited. I've actually never been out the country. I look forward to it. Well, hey, uh, Jaleel, we really appreciate you taking some time and uh, looking forward to watching you here at Nebraska and seeing how things uh, go here in the next few years. Definitely. I, thank you so much. I can't uh, wait. All right. Well, much more to come. Uh, we'll be joined next here in studio by true freshman running back Emmett Johnson. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, and thanks again to Jaleel Martin, true freshman, joining us here. And uh, we're pleased to be joined by another member of the true freshman class in studio, running back Emmett Johnson, um, Minneapolis native, right? Yes, sir. So you're you're located just basically right outside – uh, South Minneapolis. Minneapolis yep. So yeah, what um you know talk talk about your story more because you kind of came onto the scene late and you know your junior year you, you didn't have an orthodox football season right coming out of high school. Yeah, we had a half season, so you know we played a half season, uh, made the state tournament, didn't get to play in state because of COVID, which was really messed up. So it was a you know it was a great season, but we didn't get to really do what we really wanted to do. Did you guys not start then your junior year until like November or like when did and then when did it end? Yeah, it started in November. So we were playing like later on and uh, it was a lot of snowy games towards the end of the season, uh, colder weather. So we, we started late and played like seven games. So and did you play indoors at all or was it all outside? It was all outside. I mean, it was a lot of cold games, you know, snow games. It was all outside. And. We really, I mean, we practiced in it in the weather, so we were used to it, and it wasn't that bad. So what were kids your junior year, like, doing in, like, August? I mean, were you guys able to do much at all? Uh, a lot of guys were inside working out on their own. Uh, some of our, some of my teammates, we worked out together. Uh, but it was like we couldn't do any team workouts. Uh, we couldn't do anything with the team. It was just a couple of us going to work out at a field or something. But COVID really messed up a lot of recruitment as well as just, like, it for our team. Yeah, and I mean, you, you said it best. I mean, I think when you look at your senior year, it was unbelievable. You didn't have the opportunity to do that as a junior, and most people get recruited off their junior numbers. Yeah, and so I definitely went to a couple camps. You know, I went to the Iowa State camp, uh, Gopher camp, just to get uh, recruited more and stuff like that. But I didn't go as planned. I just kept working. Uh, and then Nebraska came on after my senior year film. 
they came on, started recruiting me, and they offered me a scholarship, and it was just the perfect fit for me. So, what did you did you go for? Was it close to three thousand as a as a senior? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was over two thousand five hundred. Wow, crazy amount, forty two touchdowns. So yeah. did you know in your mind a year like that was possible, being the, the high school player of the year? I definitely knew it was, and it started in the offseason. Uh, before the season, I was just grinding. You know, I wasn't even ranked top 10 in the state of Minnesota. Uh, Gophers never offered me. I was just, you know, I kept working, and the work really paid off. And it wasn't really a surprise to me when I won Mr. Football. Like, I was excited about it, but I was just like, you know, I worked for it. So everything that I deserve, I deserve. Yeah, I'm sure you, you mentioned the Gophers didn't offer you, and, and they've got a history of running backs there, and they like local guys, it seems like. I'm, was, was that kind of motivation to you to, to prove them wrong that, hey, you know, I mean, that your own state team didn't even come in and, and recruit you? Yeah, uh, I would definitely say prove them wrong, but prove every other college in the country wrong. You know, I feel like a lot of schools could have really offered me, but I wasn't really focused on that. I was just focused on playing. Whatever a coach told me to work on, I was just willing to work on it, and uh, I found the right home, and I'm just excited that I'm here in Nebraska now. Once your tape got out and kind of made the rounds, and we talked off air, your TikTok was probably your, your biggest promoter. <laughs> yeah. um, you have one of the largest TikTok um, numbers of anybody in, um, on the campus of the University of Nebraska right now, I think. You're <laughs> yeah. over 150,000 on TikTok. That's crazy. And, and you're not doing, like, little dances or anything. You're, you're just strictly football? Yeah, it's, like, strictly football. A couple of dances, but I'll say the football ones are the ones who, you know, blew up more and stuff like that. But I'm about to get more into it now that you said that. I mean, I'm just starting making more. Elliot, uh, there's another guy on the team that has a lot of TikTok. His name's Elliot Brown. Yep. Um, so you and Elliot have a little rival going for the, the largest <laughs> TikTok follow. But – yeah. You know, in the, in the NIL world, that stuff is a valuable asset. Um, so it was strictly you were just posting some breakout runs and plays, and a few of them just went viral? Yeah, a couple of plays. I'll say my sophomore year, uh, I had this crazy run that went viral on, like, overtime and, like, max preps, stuff like that. And then it just – I posted it on TikTok first, and it had, like, 3.4 million views. Wow. And then all the other social media pages started posting it. And that was just the play that I was just like, I could be really good at football. Like, I just got to keep working. It was one of those plays that – I was because I was in the basketball too as well, getting recruited for that, and so those were one of the plays when I was just like, I got something in football. I just got to keep working at it. Do like, you get a lot of random messages and stuff then with that many followers? <laughs> for sure, I'll say uh, little kids, a lot of little kids you know, from Nebraska, Minnesota, uh, kids that are a fan of me, just you know, reaching out. I try my best to get back to you know some of them and try to reply to them and just give them uh, some motivation on you know how to be great. We're talking here a true freshman. Uh, Minnesota native Emmett Johnson, uh, running back at Nebraska. You know, with that said, though, Emmett, you know, I mean, you, you walk in now, you're bottom of the totem pole again. You're, you're the low man in the room as a freshman. Um, there's a lot, there were a lot of guys that were here for a number of years or even the springs before you. How do you get yourself in this conversation now um, and, and prepare yourself to play this year? I would definitely say uh, what I've been doing, you know, just I'll work everybody, you know, Show up on time, be there, uh, be a good student, be a good person, not just on the football field, but I'm just willing to work in whatever I need to work on. I mean, I came in physically 10 more pounds than what I was my senior year, so I've already got stronger. And so whatever the coach wants me to do, really, I'm just going to work at it. And it's a competitive room, but don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I trust myself. I trust my abilities. I think I'm a good player, but... I'm going to just keep working, and we're going to see what happens when, it's, when it comes to game time. So. Yeah, how do you – I mean, what do you bring to the table? If I would say, what, what, make, what skill sets do you have that could get you on the field and help Nebraska early in your career? I would definitely say uh, my playmaking ability. You know, I, I'm really versatile, so I can run people over. Now I'm getting stronger. 
I can run people over. I can run routes in space. And I feel like we have uh, everybody brings something different to the table in our running back room. Some guys might be better at routes. Some guys might be stronger. And I feel like I'm just versatile and I could do both. And that's what I feel like I bring to the room. So I'm really ready. I'm excited to uh, join this group and compete. And it's already been fun competing already, but I'm just ready to work. Tell me about Brian Applewhite. He's he's a new guy. You know, I don't believe you were recruited by Coach Applewhite at the beginning, obviously, because he wasn't here yet. Yeah. Um, so how did that transition go from being recruited by a previous position coach than to now Brian Applewhite being in charge? Uh, yeah, Coach Brown was the guy who really uh, recruited me hard. Ron Brown? Yeah, Ron Brown came down to Minnesota, you know, uh, visited my family, uh, visited my school. He asked, like, other schools about me, and they all just said I was a good person. And uh, I was a great player, but I was an even better person. And Coach Brown, uh, he really – he's a guy who's seen a lot of great running backs, you know, Amon Green, Roy Hellu. I mean, uh, you can, it goes on Amir Abdullah. He's seen some great running backs, and he knows what it takes to get to the next level. So I really trusted him. And coming here, I wasn't really worried about, you know, who the coach was because I just know my work ethic. So I'm really – like, I know wherever I go, I'll be good just because I work hard. And that's so he really was a guy who – I'll say he's a guy who I really look up to. He's like a father to me, basically. And Coach he, Brown. Yeah, Coach Brown. And he knows a lot about football. So he's going to – Tell me if I'm doing something wrong. He's going to tell me what I need to work on. And those are the things that I'm willing to learn. So. Have you studied his history in, in kind of his background of all the players he's coached? And he's not a coach anymore, but yeah. I bet you wouldn't even guess. He's, he's mid-60s. I mean, he, he doesn't look mm-hmm. it, but he, yeah. he he's in pretty good shape for a guy his age. Yeah, uh, I did some research, but he told me about him as well. And he just said Amir Abdullah is somebody who he thinks I'm really similar to. You know, Amir came in, I think he's like one, 173. You know, he's a light guy. But then people questioned him, like, is he going to be strong enough to go between the tackles and stuff like that? And Amir just kept working, uh, just like how I am. He's big on faith. I'm big on faith as well. And so I feel like he had a chip on his shoulder coming in, and adversity is my biggest strength right now. Like, I've been through so much adversity in the recruiting process and everything that now it's like nothing. Like nothing's going to really stop me. You know what I'm saying? Nothing's going to really stop me. Like, the obstacles are going to come, but I'm just ready to work. So You want a good Amir Abdullah game to watch on YouTube? Pull up the 2014 Nebraska Miami game in Lincoln, and Amir Abdullah just ran at a different level. Yep. I mean, Miami had no answer for him, and it was probably one of the better atmospheres. So, yeah. get on, get on your YouTube. I, and- I watched that game with uh, Coach Brown. We sat down and watched some film on that, and I think it was the second half where he really took off, like in that game. And then I also liked his McNeese run, uh, the game winner, game winning touchdown yeah. that he had, which was a crazy run as well. So you are you're fully invested. I mean, you, you fully you, invested, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what what else has jumped out to you about this transition going from high school? Um, and it's the Midwest, so you're you know I would say culturally it's different, but you're probably used to this part of the country. Yeah. Uh, but what what else has jumped out to you about maybe living and moving to Nebraska and joining the football team? Uh, yeah, I definitely say the transition, like from high school to college, the game's faster. Uh, guys are a lot stronger, but that's that's great for me because I like up-tempo offenses and stuff like that. But that was the biggest difference that I seen was, you know, guys are running four fours playing D-line or <laughs> guys are running four fours, you know, playing anywhere. So it's, that was the biggest transition. But otherwise, I think I fit in well and I think I transitioned well, like because I've been working hard already. So it was a it was a big jump, but not really. What is your speed then in the open field in the four? Yeah, I, I run a four four right now. Four four. But what's I, your vertical? Uh, my vertical is thirty eight. Thirty eight. So a pretty explosive yeah. guy. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like just playmaking ability. Like I think I'm really explosive, and that's what I bring to the running back room. Well, Emmett, uh, we really appreciate you taking a chance. 
uh, to come up here and join us and um, we follow on that TikTok account of yours. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see you post some more content. I got you for sure. All Come right. Soon. Well, thanks again here uh, to Emmett Johnson for joining us and Jaleel Martin. Much more to come. You're listening to the Oscar Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to Husker true freshman Jaleel Martin and Emmett Johnson for joining me in studio here on this week's Husker Online show uh, coming off that holiday weekend where uh tell you what Tom it was uh, joined by our next guest here Tom Deanhard um of Golden Black formerly of Sporting News and Big 10 Network uh Tom uh, these holiday weeks are tough to kind of get back in the swing of it I'm sure uh, you had a good fourth out there in the St. Louis area Yeah we were talking off air about we're within a, a one month here of, uh, of training camps kicking off. So our last few gasps of uh, what going to the swimming pool with the kids and doing cannonballs and can openers and cooking hot dogs. So, yeah, we had the 4th of July, and like you said, it's always tough coming off those extended weekends and sort of getting back in the groove. But here we are, buddy. July is upon us. Big Ten media days in a couple of weeks. And like I said, I know Purdue, I think, opens their camp August 2nd. Game one, September 1st, Penn State at home on Fox. going to be a big one. So a lot of anticipation at West Lafayette. And, Tom, uh, we'll get into the media days um, and the Big Ten because I think it's as intriguing of a media days as we've ever covered between conference expansion and NIL and the state of the game. But I want to hit on expansion because you have your finger on the pulse. You talk to a lot of coaches and you know what's going on. Um, number one, your reaction on USC, UCLA, and number two, um, is it going to happen with Notre Dame? If you had a crystal ball today, a year from now, are we talking about Notre Dame in the Big Ten? You know, I think the surprise, Sean, was the timing of this USC-UCLA move. Um, you know, as you know and the listeners know, I think there's been a lot of speculation in recent years about, you know, if and when the Big Ten expands, who the targets would be, and USC has always been a school that's gotten a lot of mention. For a lot of reasons, we all know the box is USC checks, uh, traditional-wise, academically, and, of course, from a TV market standpoint. Um, so, again, not, not a shock to see them in the fold, but it is a shock to see it happen now. As you've read, I'm sure they came to the Big Ten looking to do this, and the Big Ten almost has to say yes, correct? And, of course, we've been inundated with all the what-ifs now, right, Sean? I mean, what's, what's the next move and who's going to make it? Which league? conjecture speculations flying everywhere yeah Notre Dame is, is a squirrel in the crosshairs of the Big Ten sounds like Sean there's going to be no move on Washington or Oregon it just doesn't appear that they move the needle enough for the Big Ten to really make a grab at those two schools even though they certainly want to come to the Big Ten so again it sounds like the Big Ten is quote finished for now going to wait on Notre Dame maybe it's a year maybe it's two years and uh you got to think eventually that they're going to say yes. And, Sean, if you were to ask me where the Big Ten's going to sit here when the dust finally settles, I, I think there's four schools that I would not be shocked if are, are, are in the Big Ten here in the future, one being Notre Dame. I wouldn't shock to see 
Virginia and North Carolina in, and then Stanford. Uh, you know what, Sean? They uh, the Big Ten loves its academics, and those are four schools that certainly could stand shoulder to shoulder on that front with the Big Ten. Also, they bring a lot of other cash they with them too to the table. We're talking here, Tom Deanhart, about uh, conference expansion and getting to twenty. Tom, I think it makes a lot of sense because then you could break things up, Tom, into four or five team divisions or whatever you want to call them, pods. Um, and then you, you'd play your four divisional or pod games, and then you'd rotate and play other divisions entirely and have a nine-game schedule. And then you can meet yeah. you can meet the four pod winners in a semifinal-type setup, um, and everybody would play everybody over a, you know, a three-year period if they rotated out um, your pods every, every three years. And over a six-year period, you'd play in every stadium or five-year, whatever it would be. But um, I think there's a lot of sense to 20, but, yeah, who, who are the 20 – and, you know, your points about Oregon and Washington interest me. I have a hard time, though, thinking Phil Knight's going to stay out of this. I mean, he 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 is a czar in himself. The TV network guys are czars, but Phil Knight, you know, is, is a czar, and he controls so much of the sports world. You know, what is he going to do if they're out of this? I mean, I, that's going to be fascinating to watch if Oregon is shut out of the Big Ten. I can't imagine the SEC wants to bite off those travel costs would the ACC one up? I mean, Oregon is such a such an interesting one, and I feel like they're a little too uppity for the Big Twelve, um, you know, and in, 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 in making that move in the Big Twelve. And I'm I know the Big Twelve would love to have Oregon and Washington. Yeah, Washington's a big one too, Sean. As you know, um, I remember the Huskers playing them in the last fifteen or twenty years. If you want to talk about tradition and pageantry and resources, Washington's got it all. It's like a Big Ten school. I always thought there was. Of all the Pac-12 schools, they were one that was a lot like a Big Ten school. From just a rabid fan base stand back, stand back, way as well. So, again, um, UW, Oregon, um, I'd love to see him in the Big Ten, Sean. Well, we'll see what happens. Like I said, Phil Knight, like you said, it's, it's hard to imagine him having his beloved Ducks shut out of the Big Ten and being relegated to a lesser league. But, you know, we shall see, like, like you said, that the TV executives play such a big role in this, in this conference realignment. And, you know, back to your, your first point about um, the Big Ten going to 20, Sean, I, I wonder, I'd love your thoughts on this, too. Uh, I'm just thinking, why not just have your 20-team SEC, 20-team Big Ten form their own playoff, sort of like AFC versus NFC. You have your two conferences, if you will. Forget everybody else, Sean. Why even include whatever's left of the Big 12, the Pac-10, the ACC? Just have your own – got 40 schools, the 40 most prominent schools. Have your own league, if you will, with your own playoff. And if you're not part of it, Sean, you're not part of big-time college football or big-time college football playoff. Well, and, and, and it, it, it just feels like it is going that way. And you're right, Tom. I think if you're not going to get these financial $100 million neighborhood checks – you just you can't compete year in and year out. I mean, the the stories of a Boise State or a Central Florida or a Houston or you know those types of teams, I don't think they can sustain um, long term when the resources are going to you know separate by that much. And it's almost like they're going to create another tier. You know, there's FBS and FCS. Well, then there'll be a tier now above FBS um, with these these forty teams if it, if it played out that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes so much sense. And believe me, I, I'm a guy who loves the Cinderella. I love the underdog more than anybody out there. 
that that's part of the charm of the NCAA basketball tournament. But I, I think football obviously is a different animal here. Uh, and I did you think of the appeal of the TV ratings um, that that uh, such a configuration of the 40 biggest schools in one big league would would generate in the playoffs, Sean? My goodness, the playoff matchups it would be on par with the NFL. I mean that that that's the model you have to look at, right? My question though is, yeah. would you continue to play the lower level teams because no, no, well, and and that's where they're going to fold. Then I mean, you look at the FCS ranks. FCS football, Tom, exists to get those checks to play that one or two games. The MAC exists to get those checks. When you take away those checks to those schools, you know, there's not going to be much left in football. Well, I mean, that's that that's life, I guess. I think I think you're on path to be like the NFL, Sean. I mean. It's going to be just like the NFL. It's, it's going to be ultra-competitive. You, you can't schedule wins in the NFL, for crying out loud. You know, the schedule's built based on your record from the previous year, and they've got their whole matchup with divisional uh, you know, schematics worked out, too. Um, you're going to get a swath of teams that go, what, you know, 500, a game or two above 500, a game or two below 500, and a few elite teams and a few real bad teams. I mean, it's going to be super-competitive. I don't know why – they should be in the business of trying to support lower level teams. It makes no sense. Um, not to be cruel and harsh because, hey, again, I love the Colorado states, the world, Washington state, Oregon state, Tulsa. I love all the, all the football. But, I mean, if we're really going to get serious here with money being big time, there's no sense to, to keep any of those schools in your loop. I'll tell you, though, what gets in the way, you got local state politics. When you start affecting state schools with the, uh, local politicians getting involved, that it will get interesting if it got to this point because there's going to be a lot of political pushback um, to to prevent this from happening. But will it matter? I mean, we saw Oklahoma already leave Oklahoma State. Uh, we've seen yep. UCLA leave the ca- yep. the Cal the California system schools to go to the Big Ten without Cal. And speaking of being just left out, how about Cal? Like nobody <laughs> nobody talks about Cal. Yeah, I was thinking about them, too, during all this. A big school, Sean, a big enrollment, and a huge market, and with as much academic heft as anybody. Historically, they're sort of just middle of the road. But you're right. Um, that's a school that could end up being one of the bigger losers in all this. Um, of course, there's a lot of ACC schools that could be in that same boat. And, Sean, what happens to Pitt? What happens to Boston College and Syracuse and even NC State and Georgia Tech? Those type of schools could get washed away as well to a lower level so again just so many fascinating storylines and of course the big 12 too sean with that conjecture about the arizona schools and colorado and utah maybe joining joining that conference which i think would be dynamite so again uh it's going to be fun to watch this puzzle get put together here in coming years yeah you could even see like the big east and basketball taking some of these big uh, ACC members, if they get left out of the football fold of the SEC and the Big Ten, all of a sudden Duke and Syracuse are like, hey, we'll be basketball members of the Big East because they, they've got to make money if they're not going to get that football money. Yeah, boy, Syracuse back in the Big East uh, just playing hoops. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, we see in Connecticut, they're still playing football, but Connecticut's back in the Big East for obvious basketball reasons. So, yeah, maybe there's, there's some real curveballs like that coming here, some things that aren't getting a lot of talk that could come to fruition. But to me, the ACC is very interesting to see how that all shakes out with, of course, what their big three, Sean, Florida State, Clemson, and Miami. If three schools ever had 
SEC stamped on them more than those three. I'd like to I'd like to see them because again, it looks like it's not a matter of if, but when the Canes and the Tigers. You know, uh, and the Knowles end up in the SEC. They'd be perfect, wouldn't they? Yeah, and I'd say Virginia Tech could be in that conversation too. Yeah, but good point. Yeah, Virginia Tech. Based yeah, on their yeah. DNA and their fan base, and their, I've been to that stadium. It has an SEC feel when you go out there. But Tom, let's pick this back up after the break. Uh, we'll talk more expansion as well as get you ready for Big Ten Media Days and what's ahead. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Tom Deanhart still joining us here with Gold and Black. I love talking to Tom because we could just do like a whole show together. Tom, if you lived in Lincoln, I'd, I'd have you here every week with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, appreciate you coming on, uh, taking some time out to join us here on the Husker Online Show. Before we get into Big Ten discussion, what do you think about the the future of the Rose Bowl and, and other major bowl games? Because it, it feels like when these new things flip over, um, some of these things might be going by the wayside as well. Yeah, you know what? Um, I've just I'm, I'm I'm not a bowl guy. I, I I think they they're just catastrophic on a lot of levels. They cost a lot of money. Cost I mean, they mean nothing, Sean. They mean nothing, and, and they, they they've just been an impediment to having a true playoff for years and years and years. It's like. And the old boys network that greasing each other's skids. And um, again, I think maybe if, if we do have football that remains at like that level below the top level, if there's still a Pac-12, a Big, a Big 12, ACC kind of level football below the SEC and the Big 10, maybe the Bulls serve some function there. <clears throat> Sean, if, if we do get to what my dream of just having one quote league, the SEC Big 10, my hope is there are no bowls. Just have playoff games like the NFL for crying out loud and play them on campus, Sean, please. I mean, think about think about how stupid it is. You think the NFL is going to play playoff games on a neutral site? I mean, just, just think of the logic. It makes no sense at all to take these games away and play them in some neutral site. Can you imagine a home playoff game in Lincoln, Nebraska in early January? Could you imagine the craziness Florida coming there or something? It'd be out of sight instead of playing it in some generic NFL stadium in Phoenix or something. It makes no sense. So I'm not sure what the future is for Bulls, but it's up to me, Sean, that they get totally nuked. Yeah, don't I, let don't don't let tradition ever, ever, ever dictate what you do. I think it's that inventory in December. You've got to get that back on TV for the networks, and and we're and we're good. I mean, I think the Bulls right now the bowl games exist, so ESPN could have True. inventory in December. I mean, that, that is really bold. That's bulls in a nutshell. It's inventory in December for ESPN in between basketball season because things like Big Monday and Super Tuesday, they don't really start until January. Um, so they get through all of the bowl games first, and then they play all the basketball. And so I think that's the solution. You've got to create inventory for the networks. But I would like to see somebody else involved with ESPN. I don't like that ESPN has all of the bowl games, all of the playoff games. I think it could be NFL and, yeah, Fox and ESPN or Fox and CBS have multiple networks carry these games. 
Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And you see ESPN create bowl games, Sean, just to fill time slots. I mean, if that that doesn't devalue the meaning of a bowl game, well, what else does? And you're right, ESPN's power is monstrous. We've seen that played out. I guess behind closed doors, we're told with this playoff, with this uh, conference realignment. Of course, Fox, we're told, has been been very heavy-handed with the Big Ten and the USC acquisition as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. It's all about inventory. We hear that a lot. And uh, boy, you know, Sean, ESPN's got to fill that that Tuesday night, mid-December, 7 p.m. time slot with some with some meaningless bowl game, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just it's like it's like the USFL. I mean, it's just like it's just there for the gen- degenerates to, to bet on. I mean, it's it's just football for and, and something to fill a sort of a dead TV time period as well. That that's what bowl games are like too. So, I'm sure the powers that be have so much money at stake at ESPN and whatnot that they'll, they'll figure out some way to keep some type of uh, I guess bowl configuration going. I guess. We're talking here with Tom Deanhart heading out Tom to Indy later this month. I'll see you out there at Big Ten Media Days. When you look at the Big Ten West, can you remember a year where it felt this wide open? Where I mean, I think legitimately four, if not five, teams today feel like they have a chance to win this thing. I think Illinois and Northwestern would be out of that discussion, but I think the other four to five teams—Nebraska and Minnesota, even with Purdue and Wisconsin and Iowa—all feel like they, if they peak, that they have a chance to win the West. I agree, buddy. And again, we were talking before we started this just about that very subject and. You know, Nebraska, you said 15 transfers, three JCs. I mean, they're the biggest X factor in the division, I think. And, of course, the new revised offensive coaching staff. And, again, um, the ultimate box of chocolates, right? Um, It's going to be very interesting to see how Nebraska develops. And if everything hits, maybe they win their West. You know, Wisconsin's always Wisconsin. We know about Iowa. You you mentioned Purdue. Uh, You know, Purdue sunk win nine games or six. Uh, so I've seen a lot of people all over the board with them, and Minnesota is sort of the same way. Uh, so you're right; it's going to be uh, maybe as intriguing a Big Ten West race as we've ever seen since they went to this geographic split, and that often makes things that much more interesting, Sean. A lot of times, it gets back to your schedule: who are you playing, where are you playing, right? And of course, when you play them too. Yeah, Ohio, and 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 that's what I'm going to get to here. Iowa has at Ohio State, and they play Michigan. Wisconsin plays at Ohio State, and they have Michigan State on their schedule. So for the first time, it, it always feels like the Badgers and the Hawkeyes kind of get they – they've had a favorable draw in terms of East powers. Nebraska played the three best teams in the East last year. This year, Nebraska does play Michigan, but they have Rutgers and Indiana, arguably the sixth and seventh place team. So that matters. I mean, the year P.J. Fleck had his best season – they had a great schedule. They played Penn State in Minneapolis, and they won that game, and then they won their other two East games. So that draw makes a huge difference. Yeah, you know, Purdue's got Penn State at home. They go to Maryland, and they go to Indiana. So there you go. You get, and they get Penn State right out of the gate, Sean, at home. As you know, there's no better time to jump on somebody in that very first game of the year when things are still getting sorted out, right? Well, and, and you know, Penn, Penn State's only been 11 and 11 the last two years, so it's not like this is 1986 Penn State. So my point is, Purdue has a chance to maybe jump on those guys. And if they do, Sean, look at their schedule again. October 15th, when 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 Nebraska comes to Purdue, uh, again, that's, that's, it seems like years away, but. 
that could be a big game, my friend, maybe featuring two ranked teams. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. You know, and with Penn State, it fascinates me, Tom, that they've hitched their wagon to Sean Clifford again. I mean, you talk about maybe their slip the last couple of years. I mean, I think quarterback play has been a big reason why Penn State has dropped off um, the last two or three seasons. And, you know, their other guy, uh, Levis, at Kentucky, is being talked about as a first-round draft pick, and he transferred from Penn State, and they've kind of attached their wagon again to Sean Clifford. They can't. They couldn't run the football last year, Sean. It was pathetic. I think it was the first time. I can't remember the note. First time in a long time, Sean. They didn't have one running back run for 100 yards in a game of the season. That's amazing. I can't. It, it was amazing. And of course, their defensive coordinator Brent Pry left to be the head coach of Virginia Tech. They have a new AD now. I know uh, James Franklin got the big contract extension in November. So again, uh, yeah, that's, that's a very interesting Penn State team. So. The Big Ten East probably boils down to Columbus and Ann Arbor again. But, again, uh, big year for, for James Franklin. And it's going to be fun to keep watching what, what Mel Tucker's got cooking in East Lansing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's uh, If he can duplicate that year because I, I think – I mean, Nebraska, that's a game they should have won last year. They, they held Michigan State to, to without a first down in the entire second half, and they still lost the game because of a, of a botched punt. Um, you know, and that's one that still stings in Lincoln to this day. But they, they won. Michigan State won it. They won, a, they won a New Year's Six Bowl game, granted, without Kenny Pickett playing at quarterback, um, you know, for Pitt. But uh, they've got that under their belt. And, you know, Mel Tucker has it rolling. And um, it'll be interesting if they can re- repeat maybe at least with an eight-win type year um, and, and get those experts. But I'm looking forward to it, Tom. It's going to be an intriguing season starting in Dublin, Ireland for us. And I know for the Boilermakers, <laughs> you guys are kind of the trendy sleeper pick right now in the West. You got Dublin Island, all West Lafayette, Indiana. Who's the winner there, Sean? Who's the winner? <laughs> I got to ask you this: Is Bruno's Pizza Dining Room back open again? Or are they still shut down in the dining room? No, they, they went. They, they, they've gone totally takeout. You can rent it out for like events, like graduations or or birthday parties. But they they made that decision, I guess, from, from a family aspect. It just got so hard to staff, I think. But yeah, at least you can still carry out a pizza there. And I'll see you this fall. <laughs> I was hoping that was just a 2020 thing, but yeah, too bad we won't be able to have our Friday night pizza and Bruno's. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to find a uh, alternative dinner well, you, spot. Well, last time you were there, you bought me a steak at Wolf. So yeah, well, that was a good spot. But I, I appreciate it, Tom, and um, looking forward to seeing you in Indy, and obviously uh, out in West Lafayette later this season. Thanks, Sean. You know I love talking to you, buddy. I look forward to seeing you. All right. Well, thanks again to Tom Deanhart for joining us here on the Husker Online Show, as well as Jaleel Martin and Emmett Johnson. Make sure you stay on Husker Online. Subscribe to our YouTube page, our podcast channel. We'll keep you up to date on the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.